Hello, everyone. We are uh, here with uh, a Dr. Luciano Giancarli, who is uh, presently the section leader of the Tritium uh, Breeding Blanket Systems within the uh, ITER organization. He's been there for 12 years, and essentially he's a great insider of uh, what's going on right now in fusion globally. So he's here with us to uh, share uh, some of his stories and uh, shed some light into in, in, in this very heavily discussed topic of fusion. Dr. Luciano, it's, uh, it's great having you here. Okay, hello. Thank you. Thank you. So I am uh, so Luciano Giancarli. Yes, I, just to, to recall that I am nuclear physicist for University of Genoa, Italy. I did degrees almost 40 years ago. I spent some time uh, after that on UK Calan Laboratory to work as on the breeding blanket design. And then I had on the rest of my career as a commissariat in energy atomics in France. Mm-hmm. mainly in, in Paris, near, near Paris. And then, uh, okay, so working all the time in, in the breeding blanket. At that time, I was a project leader of one of the particular blanket developed at CA. And then uh, in 2008, so I joined ITER as a sort of a finalization of all my effort, uh, theoretical effort done in the past, going to some, a machine which is now under construction. And, uh, okay, I'm working uh, on the part related to the tritium breeding blanket system. So I, I would say okay. that even if I am from ITER, I would like to say that I give, uh, I want to give you my personal opinion, which are not necessarily reflecting the view of ITER organization. It's just uh, a personal uh, talk, I would say. That's amazing. Uh, thank you, Dr. Uh, Luciano. Could you potentially uh, explain a little bit in Lehman terms What's all this fuss about fusion? We've heard uh, many, many times that uh, fusion will, will essentially allow us to, you know, harvest the power of the sun on the surface of the, of the earth, which sounds like an amazing concept. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about, uh, explain a little bit to, to our audience about fusion, how does, it, uh, how does it work? And, you know, uh, how does ITER also play some role there? Okay, yes, no, fusion, first of all, to say that fusion is a nuclear reaction occurring between two, between two light nuclei for to form a heavier one. And for instance, uh, two nuclear hydrogen can fuse and, and create a nucleus of deuterium. And this reaction for on light nucleus create, release a large amount of energy. So the idea is to exploit this energy. A fusion reaction, in fact, is due to nuclear force become effective uh, only when the two nu- nuclei are very close at a distance equal to their diameter, which uh, has to say one billion for micron, very small. Hydrogen is the lightest nuclear existing, and uh, it is, uh, there are plenty of hydrogen on the sun, and the energy produced by a fusion of two hydrogen nuclei are the origin of the enormous amount of energy released in the sun, and also in other stars. Okay, so having said that, this is the basis, but having said that, uh, I guess that the most interesting question is how can we produce fusion energy in the, on the Earth? And yes. here, of course, <laughs> the situation is different because uh, in the sun, uh, the, the nuclei, actually, when you try to, to approach them, they are positively charged, so they have a repulsion between them. So you need, uh, be, before the nuclear force comes into 
work to play a role, you need to you manage to get them very close. In the sun is easy because there is a, a temperature is very high, the gravitational there is a large, enormous gravitational force, and then the, the nuclei of hydrogen are forced to, to come in collision very often and then uh, are trapped there and come and then produce uh, energy. Mm. On the Earth, we don't have this such a gravitational force. And then so we need to find other ways, or uh, there are several ways, but the most uh, promising one is uh, that you close, you charge, the, since you have uh, to confine charged particles, the idea is to confine it in a magnetic field, accelerate them at high velocity and forcing them to collide. And the best results are obtained when you confine uh, the nuclei for a certain time in a closed loop because they cannot escape in this, forming a torus which has a sort of dog nuts shaped ring. And uh, this is the basic principle of a, of a machine called tokamaks. I mean, they, you have yes. a particular force to be staying in uh, closed rings. So of course, you need to have a collision. Uh, one it's important point that you need to have a probability of having fusion during collision is uh, different depending on the type of element you are using, what we call in fusion cross-section, actually. You need... The probability in this ring, uh, the probability of getting two hydrogen uh, colliding and uh, fusing is uh, very low. Mm-hmm. And then you have a very limited number. So the only the way, if you look to all the possibilities, you get that the highest uh, probability is obtained when you mix deuterium and tritium which are two isotopes of hydrogen. And then, uh, okay, the tokam- or a tokamak, using deuterium and tritium as fuel as the greatest capability of success. Makes Just sense. to say few. Okay, so this is the, the basic of tokamak and the, the basic of, of DT fusion is called. Of course, just you need to reach high temperature, 100 million of degrees, and, and at this extreme temperature, electrons are separate from nuclei, and you, start, you call this mixture as plasma when you go to this high temperature which is mm-hmm. often called uh, the fourth state of the matter, actually. <laughs> because, uh, so, if we speak about plasma, uh, plasma is to be produced in a chamber of steel walls because you cannot produce it in air. And in order to produce significant energy, the high-temperature plasma with sufficient density has to be confined uh, for a sufficient time. And, uh, okay, so the, the major challenge of this idea is uh, that this type, uh, you have to avoid uh, excessive turbulence or instability of this uh, plasma tor- formed uh, in, the, in the torus. And if the plasma control is, if you lose, lose the control, the plasma touches the steel and it will immediately stop. Yes, this, this phenomenon is called plasma one, eruption. Yes, I think uh, that's one. Uh, that's one also of the main, uh, not the main, but that's that's also another another reason why fusion is so uh, interesting, right? That uh, if something goes wrong, if there is a malfunction, there is no risk of an explosion or uh, anything like that, right? Uh, similar uh, to how uh, yes. you have in a, in a normal uh, reactor, everything essentially just stops. Yes, absolutely. This is a, a, a big advantage, I would say, of fusion is that uh, something goes wrong, uh, you stop. Uh, exactly. Okay, uh, there is a disadvantage that you cannot produce energy, but uh, for sure you have no table, to, you don't produce, you don't lose control. You, you stop the plasma and, uh, exactly. and you switch, off, uh, switch it off, and then you have to find a way to restart. That's Good, fantastic. Uh, 
Uh, and essentially, if I understand correctly, uh, essentially the Tokamak, what it is, is essentially like this, uh, this donut-shaped uh, device that is essentially holding with an uh, electromagnetic shield, uh, essentially the fusion happening within it, right? So it's like holding a sun, let's say, through electromagnetic fields, if I may yes. use this expression, which, which, which I think... Uh, I think it's quite inspiring as a vision, to be yes. honest, Dr. Absolutely, Luciano. yes. It's all, in principle, you have to isolate in the, uh, the, the plasma from the, you, from the physical wall uh, in, in this magnetic field, which in fact is a mixture of different magnetic fields, poroidal, toroidal, and so on. It's quite complex uh, configuration of magnetic fields. But anyway, the idea is Perfect. that one. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, all the activity which has done until now, before it, I mean, in Europe, US, Japan, is uh, you have to learn how to avoid plasma instability and, and disruption. Because if you lose too, too often, you lose too often the control means that you don't do nothing. You stop all, all the time. And how to heat the plasma to such high temperature? Because of course, this has to be done with uh, some several uh, facilities. Exactly. Uh, I, I could mention that, for instance, one of the major existing machines is the Jet, the Joint European Taurus, which is the largest tokamak ever operated in the world. I would say it is located in England near Oxford. All these experimental findings and also associated theoretical expectations has led to are the basis for the ITER project. Exactly. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, has started back in 2006, right? I think uh, it was signed back uh, back in November 2006 in Paris. And it was a huge con- uh, consortium of nations that is uh, supporting it, right? It's, uh, it's China, it's uh, all the countries uh, within EU, is uh, India, Japan, uh, Korea, Russia the state and they are all essentially believing uh, in this in the future of fusion and they are all coming behind this uh, ITER project you know to start uh, moving it forward right ITER started more, more or less 10 years ago the construction uh, back in 2010 and uh, we are now reaching you know almost uh, 2021 right and we've just finished uh, a year with a lot of turbulences that had a lot of negativity, but also gave a lot of boost in uh, renewable energies, alternative uh, agencies, and definitely fusion. With all of that, you know, background and history, when do you think that ITER will be op- operational? And when do you think that we can actually have this experiment happening and, you know, moving this uh, fusion, let's say, journey uh, one step forward? Yes, well, just first of all, to recall the ITER as a plasma volume 10 times of the largest existing tokamak today, so which is, is yeah. a, new, a big step, is a big step on. <laughs> and that's course. why uh, all the country has uh, decided to go, to come together to get this big step. ITER will be a exper- unique experimental tool capable, so high density plasma, better confinement. Uh, is also to be able to reach plasma pulses uh, at least 500 seconds, which is because, as I said before, the time you manage to do it is necessary, is important to decide to see if to produce some energy. And the objective is to produce power about 10 times higher than the power injected, resulting from a significant power gain, mm-hmm. uh, which means typically we expect to inject about 500, 50 megawatts, so you 
the idea is to produce 500 mega fusion power for about uh, 400 to 600 seconds. If this, uh, when we will achieve that, this with the objective of ITER is, is, is done. Present ITER is, a, as you said, is a manufacturing phase. It started some time ago. And the manufacturing of ITER component is spread over the various countries of the international consortium. In reality, it's not, the manufacturing is not done in one place. It's done in all the consortium uh, country. And uh, the component started to arrive in ITER site now, uh, since a couple of years already. And the first assembly phase started in July 2020, which means a few months ago, because the, after the delivery of the main building, because first you had to pro prepare the site, the building, all the facilities, the connection from electricity, power, power supply, and so on. So now uh, we start the assembly. And the mm -hmm. first plasma will be done when this assembly will be finished, is expected to at the end of 2025, which means five years from now, I would say. After that date, there will be several experimental campaigns showing how to reach the, the plasma parameter required for producing fusion power for a sufficient long time. And this campaign will use hydrogen plasma only. Uh, we will not produce energy, but they are essential to learn the good plasma control and plasma plant operation. The plan is to start the plasma with deuterium and tritium, which is the real the mixture, which is the, real, the one which produces energy in 2035, which will okay. be 15 years from now. And so the energy produced, just to know, the energy produced in the plasma will, by fusion reaction is transferred to component the surrounding plasma under the form of high energy gamma radiation and high energy neutron fluxes. And this gamma and neutron will deposit the energy in this component, which will be cooled, extract the heat from a, a typical, usual water coolant system and recovered in a usual way, which is done in our power plant. This is the principle. But just to say that it is expected this successive DT campaign will, will last about 10 years from 2035. So, so I see. It is not expected the heater produce electricity because the coolant temperature is too low for having efficient electricity production. But uh, we have learned everything to start the new generation, which will then be charged to produce electricity. It makes sense. Uh, essentially, ITER will be a unique and very big, big experiment to uh, essentially let us learn how can we start creating fusion in a commercial manner, right? Based on that, and uh, since ITER will probably last for, for at least another 15, 20 years, right? Based uh, on your opinion, when do you think that it would be safe to, to assume that we could start using fusion in a commercial way? Yes, uh, I mean, if we assume that there will be, there will be no special new finding or, or, or miracle coming, uh, expect, usual, the usual plan is expect, ITER is expected to demonstrate the physical technology feasibility of fusion, and it opens the way to the next generation, which typically we call demonstration reactor or demo in brief. Well, the design or demo reactor will need to have available all the results of the ITER deuterium tritium phase mm -hmm. before being finalized. As I said before, we get we will have these results in early 2040, and then demo final design can be finalized at the at that time. Uh, take into account the time need for manufacturing, assembly, installation, and so on. Uh, you can imagine to have a demo starting operation in the early 2050s. 
Gotcha. Uh, okay. okay. And then just to say, complete your the answer. I mean, the objective of demo is to have sufficient amount of electricity for being connected to the electrical network, but it's not expected. It will have prob- likely to have low availability, a relatively high cost of electricity. In in order, in particular, we will have a big challenge to learn about long-term resistance of material submitted to neutron fluxes, which is not done in ITER. And then, as a consequence. Uh, the industrial power reactor, what we call commercial power reactor, will not be this, gen- will not be this generation, but the next one after demo, which uh, we could expect to start operation around 2000, I mean, 80, unless, uh, unless a new, new finding. Uh, and then, so this is the time scale uh, I would suggest for the commercial power reactor, actual power reactors in several, because we are supposing that each uh, country pro- today participating at, to ITER at least uh, uh, will want to build their own demo and also maybe the, for sure their own commercial reactor because this is the objective, not just one in Europe and one in Japan or something. But probably all of them will, will, will produce, uh, will construct uh, power reactors. So there will be a sort of a large number of commercial reactors, I suppose. Very nice, Luciano. It's just music to my ear, uh, listening to this project. It's, uh, it's an incredible project and an inter- international project. I think it's a, a big hope uh, for the humanity. It might bring some revolution, potentially. It has also some uh, challenges, as you mentioned, uh, when it will be commercial, what, what will be the price of uh, electricity. Also, we are now... 60 years uh, since the first tokamak was built in the Soviet Union. Now, as you just mentioned, as I understand, commercial fusion power will take another 60 years probably to to reach this point of being commercial if there is not major, um, let's say, new discoveries in the res- during this research. ITER project is huge. It's 1 million components, 10 million parts. The ITER tokamak will be the largest and most powerful fusion device in the world. As you just mentioned, Luciano, it's designed to produce 500 megawatt of fusion power for 50 megawatt of input heating power. It will take its place in history as the first fusion device uh, to create net energy. So in your point of view, uh, you're working in the ITER project for several years. Uh, what are the most challenging aspects of this project? I would say that the first major challenge, I think, is a success, successful integration and assembly of this, you said, um, one million component and uh, built by ITER member factories around the world and delivered to ITER site. Uh, and this has to be, you have to have similar quality, similar production. Sometimes you have to, they have to become, they have, so you have a, a tremendous logistic engineering challenge to mix to assembly and install all these components. So this is a, is a major one, I think. And then another challenge, the, I mean, challenge could come from f- plasma physics itself, since ITER is the first tokamak that we use uh, the, the, partic- the alpha particle, I mean, generated by the fusion reaction, to heat up the plasma. It is a self-heating, I would say. We have external power, but also we need the, the power of the, the diffusion. And this process could create a new phenomena, today unknown, uh, that could modify the plasma behavior. For such phenomena could be favorable in improving the plasma stability or could it increase the risk of disruption. In this latter case, uh, okay, new countermeasure may need to be found. Uh, I must say that we should not forget that ITER is still a, 
an experimental reactor, despite all this uh, enormous uh, manufacturing uh, or component, number of components. And as such, have a lot to learn, including maybe new physics phenomena. So this is the important point to state. Uh, it is still a experimental. Yes, yes, exactly. It's, it's also uh, potentially a new scientific discovery for, for the humanity. Also, uh, speaking about uh, challenging aspects of ITER, Luciano, you are the section leader of the tritium breeding blanket section, system section, sorry. On my side, I strongly believe you lead one of the most important activities in this project. Uh, tritium and deuterium are two isotopes of hydrogen that will be used to fuel the fusion reaction in ITER. Can we assume we have unlimited resources? Uh, can fusion power produce unlimited energy? Uh, yes, so uh, at first, yes, we have to talk uh, about an important aspect of the diffusion that I have not yet mentioned. It is the part in reality on which I work in, uh, which is the production of tritium. I think it deserves a specific consideration because uh, it is an essential aspect, as you said. As explained, okay, the fusion fuel is formed by deuterium and tritium. Fusion power plant producing about 1,000 megawatt of electricity, for instance, like uh, one of the presently available large fission reactors, consume about one, 100 kilograms per year of deuterium and about 150 kilograms per year of, of tritium. Deuterium can be extracted from the water or the ocean where billions of millions of kilograms are present. I mean, there is no problem of deuterium resource for billions of years, I would say. So uh, on the other end, we have tritium, which is a radioactive with a lifetime of about 12.5 years. Therefore, it is not present in nat nature, or at least it is not for a long time. Today, about 10 to 20 kilograms per year are produced in uh, existing facilities like Kandu reactor in Canada, but are, are relatively small quantity. In fact, ITER is expected to use the tritium produced in this facility. It will work with them, with, with this source. But it can be done because ITER, as I explained at the beginning, it will last only a limited amount, will consume only a little amount of tritium because it's a pulsed machine, a few hundred seconds and so on, close, which is not the case for demo, in future power reactor where you need a continuous production. And because of large quantity needed, as I just said, uh, 150 kilograms per year per Per, per machine, per, per reactor, which means that uh, you require that to produce the tritium within the reactor itself. It's not, uh, you have no external source for, for the future reactor. In principle, this is possible using the neutron, which is emitted in the fusion reaction, and uh, having a nuclear reaction on lithium-6 nucleus. This reaction, nuclear reaction, produces uh, another tritium that you can extract, inject back to the plasma. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, some of these, some of these neutrons are not reacting with lithium seek, but with other material which are there. And so you lose some of them. And then, uh, okay, you need also to have a material able to multiply the neutrons. And this multi material multiplier are in that nature, we have only two lead or beryllium. Then, which means that surrounding the plasma, you need to have a material, you have in the tritium breathing blanket, you need to have present lithium seek and also one multiplier, lead and beryllium. Okay, in fact, it's quite difficult to reach the tritium breeding self-sufficiency. I mean, to, to produce sufficient tritium 
compared to the one you burn. For this reason, that in it we need to test and operate mock-up of green blanket in order to demonstrate that we are able to do tritium production, extraction of tritium, and reinjection of the same amount to have, we have used. Speaking about resource again, then it is clear that in, for in case of tritium, the real fuel is in fact, as I just explained, the lithium-6, which means that for, for operating the same reactor I was mentioning before, 1,000 megawatt, we need about 300 kilograms of lithium-6 per year. Well, so in this case, we have to give a look to the resources of lithium. Uh, we have about 100 billion kilograms available in the earth land mass. 1,000 times more is available in the water of the ocean. The problem is that this is if you do not account for, you neglect the cost of extraction. We have about sufficient resources for billions of years. But uh, of course, we can expect that at least 1% of these resources can be available at a relatively acceptable cost. So also from this side, we are quite safe for in terms of unlimited resources if we are looking at the scale of the of time of humankind, I would say. <laughs> I think that that sets a bit the uh, the landscape. I mean, yes, yes, <laughs> it's we, we, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, all another dimension. It we were speaking about uh, another kind of scale. So that that's fantastic. Unlimited resources. Telios also mentioned the fact that in terms of safety, a fusion reactor is very convenient because uh, the reaction is stopping if uh, if there is a power cut or or as you said the how is contained the plasma uh, also it's stopping the reaction so we are safe on this side is a fusion reactor as a fission reactor producing radioactive waste and if yes is it big quantities as I said uh, before, a fusion reaction produces neutrons, which uh, then uh, is needed to extract the energy, but it also activates the, the material which are surrounding the plasma, uh, which means that you will have activated material, so you, you will have a rad waste, uh, I must say. The, the main difference is that this rad waste, first of all, is not the same type, kind of rad waste uh, because it's not the kind of rad waste that you produce from fission. This is just activation of material and then uh, does not produce heat uh, and so on. So the, I would say the storage of this uh, rad waste will be much easier. And then uh, there are in fact a lot of research which is not done, is not in, still available in it, but is part of my activity. We are try, uh, the mock-up of TB, of the test blanket system of the bleeding blanket that we are using are in fact uh, made by material which have uh, a limited life, long life, uh, a, a limited rad waste. I mean, in, in terms of long length of a decrease of, uh, of the rad waste. Uh, we are, uh, the object is to get uh, not more than 100 years of, of radioactivity, so which is much more easy to control. So in this sense, uh, in terms of rad waste, we will have a, a quantity, a significant quantity of rad waste, but uh, the idea for the reactor, for the future fusion reactor, in particular when they will be commercial, it will be for a, a limited, a relatively short time, then can decrease uh, sufficiently. Uh, are not a million years uh, or thousand years that we are speaking for fusion, fission. We are more on the order of 100 years, which is uh, easily controlled by humans because uh, 100 years is not so long for a human uh, scale, I would say. Exactly. No, no, thank you, uh, Luciano. I think, yeah, we are arriving at the end of this podcast. Uh, Luciano, 
we were very, very glad to have you on this episode, uh, giving us more insight about uh, this technology, about the, the research that's being done uh, as ITER. I would like to, to really thank you for, for being there and for giving us a bit of your time to explain a bit more about this technology. Okay, so thank you very much to you to to have invited me to this. I'm honored to your choice. <laughs> okay. okay. Thanks a lot, Luciano. And I think we do uh, have optimistic, let's say, uh, outlook then for Fusion. If we are to summarize, essentially what we should be expecting is that probably we will have uh, a, a demonstrative uh, uh, reactor uh, in the first case in the next uh, 30 years, let's say, and then uh, in less than 60 years from uh, today, we can essentially hope that uh, the whole of humanity can start uh, relying and, and using fusion for power, right? Yes, absolutely, yes. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot, uh, Luciano, and uh, hopefully we're going to uh, have you soon in, uh, in another one of our podcast episodes. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank Bye. you, Luciano. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.